10th chapter, please. John chapter 10, in the word of the Lord tonight. John chapter 10. <coughs> Through 22. Okay? John 10, verses 1 through 22. Good to see all of you tonight. You doing okay? Praise the Lord. Awesome. God is good. I'm glad I'm here in His house. Okay, does everybody have John chapter 10? Beginning with verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And the stranger will they not follow but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold, and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. There was a division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings, and many of them said, He hath a devil, and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, these are not the words of them that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of Dedication, and it was winter. Let's give God praise. Lord, we thank you right now for your awesome word. <clears throat> we give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you, Lord God, for your word tonight. We ask, God, that you would have your way in our midst. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> title of the message tonight, The Good Shepherd. The word good shepherd can be translated the handsome shepherd or the beautiful shepherd or the model shepherd. He is the perfect model shepherd. 
He is the beautiful, handsome shepherd of the Word of God. David said this in Psalm 23, verse 1. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. So there's only one shepherd, ultimate shepherd, and that is God. And Jesus is claiming in this passage to be that shepherd. So he must be God if David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus is claiming to be that shepherd in this passage. But he's a very beautiful shepherd, good. He's the model. He's the perfect shepherd in contrast to all other false shepherds. The context of this event, when he is speaking these things, is located in verse 22. So if you'll look at that. It was at Jerusalem at the Feast of Dedication, and it was winter. Now, when you look at the passage here, this could be just a continuation of chapter 9, his address to the Pharisees. It also could be about three months later, after tabernacles, in the time of the dedication. It could be that verse 22 begins that time frame, the Feast of the Dedication. Does that make sense to you at all? But I have a feeling tonight that the whole chapter 10 scenario here is not in the Feast of Tabernacles, but in the Feast of Dedication. Let me explain to you what the Feast of Dedication was. For Israel, the Feast of Dedication was celebrated in the month of December. It commemorated the rededication of the temple. Remember when Antiochus Epiphanes defiled the temple in 167 B.C. And he set up the abomination that maketh desolate in the temple. He desecrated the Holy of Holies. You remember that? We went through it in the book of Daniel. Antiochus Epiphanes is a type of the Antichrist. He's a type of a thief. He's a type of false Christ. You understand that? And so after about three years or so, the Maccabees uh, were able to rededicate the temple of the Lord that had been defiled, and that was in the year 164 B.C. When they rededicated the temple of the Lord, they only had one day's worth of oil for the menorah to burn. Only one day's worth of oil. They took that one day's worth of oil, they put it in the menorah, and miraculously, that oil lasted for eight days. So this Feast of Dedication celebrated in December is a celebration of that time when the <coughs> Maccabees rededicated the temple. They lit the menorah, and that menorah on one day's oil burned for eight solid days. It was a miracle of God. And so the Feast of Dedication, or also known as the Feast of Lights, was celebrated about three months after Tabernacles. But it was looked at by the Jews as another Feast of Tabernacles because even though it's three months after the Feast of Tabernacles, they still pitched booths up at that time as well. And it was sort of like another Tabernacle celebration, okay? So that's the background here. Now, what you're not going to find in the passage is that during the Feast of, Tab uh, Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Lights, they actually read in the Old Testament shepherd prophecies. Shepherd prophecies. And I'm going to go into those prophecies tonight in the prophets, and I'm going to show you prophecy in relationship to the coming of the shepherd and who this shepherd is. So that during this very festival right here, the Feast of Lights in December, as Jesus was there in Jerusalem, they would have been reading these prophecies about a coming shepherd king that would come into the world and save his people. 
And as they are reading these prophecies about the shepherd king, he stands up and he tells them, I am the good shepherd. Wow. And they did not know what to do with that. You see, everything that Jesus did, as I told you before, he did it on the time frame of God. He did not just do it, you know, randomly. Everything, the Feast of Dedication here and what they read in relationship to a coming shepherd, when they read that and Jesus stood up and said, I am the good shepherd, he's telling them that he's the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. And so he was in the exact time frame of God's purpose. And he was letting them know he is the fulfillment of all those prophecies. Because they read those prophecies concerning the shepherd at the same time that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You with me tonight? God is an awesome God. So at this time, the Feast of Dedication, He makes this proclamation. Now look at verse 1. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not in by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some of the way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. What He's telling you here is this is that when he came, he entered into the door of the sheepfold. Now the sheepfold is the location of the sheep. It's the place of the sheep. The flock is the sheep. The fold is where the sheep is. You with me so far? So, here's the picture. Here's the parable he gives us. He talks about this sheepfold. The sheepfold is an enclosure. Normally, it was carved out or built up next to a huge hill. So there would be a hill behind and then there would be these walls, these stone walls that would come out from the hill and then there would be the gates into this fold. The gate was the shepherd himself. Okay? It wasn't a physical gate. The shepherd, he would bring his sheep into the folds surrounded by the stone walls and then the shepherd, after he gets the sheep into the fold, he would lay across the entrance of the fold so that anything that tried to get to the sheep would have to crawl over that shepherd because he is the gate. So he's not only the shepherd, he's also the gate of the sheepfold at the same time. Okay? If it's not close to a hill, it would be in front of a house. So in front of a house, they would build a stone wall enclosure. They would put the sheep in that fold. And again, the shepherd would lay across the entrance of the fold. He would be the gate. You understand? Now, <clears throat> this verse is letting you know. Look at it again in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not in by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. What he's letting them know is that when he came, he came through the proper door. And he came just as the Bible said he would come. He entered into Israel, and he came just like the Old Testament said he would come. He didn't come another way. He came according to prophecy. Say amen. <coughs> so, as Jesus comes... God come in the flesh, the true shepherd of Israel. He walks into the nation of Israel, into the fold there. And he's going, he's entering into that fold according to the word of God. He's not coming like a thief. He's not coming like a robber. 
some strange way. He's coming in fulfillment to the Word of God in the Old Testament. Now, whenever he spoke these words to those religious leaders, they did not understand what he was saying. They didn't understand that he was declaring to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. And that when he came into Israel, he came to Israel just like the prophet said he would come to Israel. He came to Israel that way and he came in fulfillment of the prophecy. He didn't come some strange way and some strange Messiah. He's the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. <coughs> and the Bible says when he came to the fold, the porter opened the door for him to enter into the fold. And the porter here is the gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper is John the Baptist. So when Jesus comes into Israel, He's not only behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He's not only the Lamb, but He's the Shepherd. And whenever He enters into Israel, it is John the Baptist, the porter or the gatekeeper, that declares who He is to the nation of Israel. That He's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And John is the voice crying in the wilderness declaring who He is. <coughs> So that when He comes, they should have known who He was. They should have known that He was God come in the flesh, the long prophesied shepherd of Israel. And John prophesies and He opens the door for the shepherd to come in into that sheepfold of Israel. Amen. Give the Lord praise. John is the voice. John the Baptist is the voice. But Jesus is the Word. John 1, 1 in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So Jesus is the eternal Word of God. He is God. Come in flesh. John the Baptist is the voice. Jesus is the Word of God. Which means the, He's the eternal God. So the gatekeeper opens the door. The voice opens the door. And introduces the Word to the nation of Israel. And He enters into the sheepfold. Catch what I'm saying to you. He enters into the sheepfold, not the flock, but the fold, the location where the sheep is supposed to be. And when he gets there, he gets there according to the Word of God in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And it's John the Baptist, who's the gatekeeper, that introduces him to the nation of Israel and tells him who he is. That's what he's talking about right here. So look at it again in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entered in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, that's the gatekeeper, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. So the, court, the, the porter or the gatekeeper, John the Baptist, opens or introduces Jesus to Israel. He walks into the fold, the enclosure, the place where the sheep are supposed to be located. And the Bible says he enters into the sheep fold and he begins to call his sheep by name. Now, in that culture, sheep are very close to the shepherd. They know the shepherd's voice. They recognize the shepherd's voice. And the shepherd calls each one of those sheep, the special sheep, he calls them by a name. He gives every one of them a nickname. He may look at one sheep and call them Long Ear. He'll say, come here, Long Ear. And Long Ear 
I'm not kidding you. The sheep are smart. When that shepherd looks out and says, come here, long ear, only long ear comes. Or the shepherd can look at one of the sheep there and maybe maybe they, he's named that sheep uh, White Nose. He'll say, come here, White Nose. And when White Nose hears the voice of the shepherd, White Nose will separate himself from that flock and will make its way to the shepherd because that sheep knows the voice of the shepherd. And the Bible says the shepherd calls them by name. Are y'all here? So the passage is showing you when he comes into Israel, he's not coming as a thief or a robber. He's coming as the Word of God said he would come. He's coming to Israel just like the prophet said he would. John the Baptist is the gatekeeper that's introducing to the fold. Amen. And when he gets into Israel, when he gets into Jerusalem there, he begins to call those sheep that belong to him by name. And those sheep that belong to him respond to his voice. But not all of them respond to his voice because all of them are not his sheep. He's going to look at these religious leaders that he's, that he's talking to right here and he's going to tell them, you are not my sheep. Because you don't hear my voice. Because if you're a sheep of God, you will hear His voice and you will follow Him if you're a true sheep. <clears throat> what determines whether or not a person is a true sheep of God is if he hears the voice of the Lord and he responds to the Word of God and he follows the shepherd. <clears throat> Nobody in this church tonight can say you're a sheep of God if you don't respond to His Word. When the Lord calls you by, not, by name and declares His Word to you, if you refuse that Word, then you are not His sheep. Because His sheep hear His voice. <clears throat> and a stranger, they will not hear. They won't listen to a stranger. But when God speaks to them, because they belong to Him and they know that He is the shepherd, they respond to His voice. Give God praise in the house. So, <coughs> the picture is that Jesus is set up just exactly like it's supposed to be set up. So He's the good shepherd. He's entered into uh, the place, the location where the sheep is supposed to be. He walks into Israel and He begins to call this one. He begins to call that one. Are y'all with me tonight? He called Peter. He called James. He called John. He called Matthew. And as he called them by name, each one of them got up and followed the Master and left everything else behind. <clears throat> why, would, why would it be that they would respond to His voice? It's because they are His sheep. But there's a bunch of religious people in His day that when He comes and He calls, they do not respond because they are not His sheep. Give God praise in the house. So as He makes His way through Jerusalem and the land of Israel, and He begins to call this one, He begins to call that one. He had a huge following that began to surround Him because they were His true sheep as they responded to the voice of the shepherd. Give God praise. And He called them by name <clears throat> on an individual basis. Just like He called some of you tonight. He called you individually. And when you heard God call your name, 
you responded to his call, to his voice, and you begin to follow him and obey his word. That is the distinguishing mark of a sheep. A sheep will listen. A sheep will follow. A sheep will respond. A sheep will follow a shepherd. Give God praise in the house. See, goats are driven. If you see a bunch of goats, you got the man, the, the shepherd of the goats, if that's what they call them. I'm not real familiar about goats, but or the man that leads the, or that drives the goats. You, if you've got goats, the man is behind the sheep and he has to drive them uh, to get them to, to move. But a sheep is not driven. A sheep follows the shepherd, which means the shepherd leads and the sheep are right behind him. And then sometimes you'll have, you know, a helper back in the rear of the sheep. But the shepherd is always out front. And he leads them by his voice. If he sees one go this way, he'll say, hey, long ear. And long ear will get back in line. If he sees white nose get out of the, of the flock, he'll cry, hey, what? White nose and white nose will get back where white nose is supposed to be. White nose will get in alignment. And long ear will get in alignment just by the voice of the shepherd. Just by a word. That's all it takes. Because sheep are led. They're not driven. If you drive sheep, you'll kill them. Did you hear what I said? You'll kill them if you drive them. Are y'all here? But if you're, if you're a sheep, you don't have to be driven. Because you will follow it's only the goats that are driven. Only goats have to be driven. But if you're a sheep tonight, all you need is just the voice of the shepherd. Just the word of God. That's all you need. And when you get that word, get that voice, you're going to follow him. Give God praise in this house tonight. That's all you need. And so he's come. Into the sheepfold, the Bible said. He came a proper way. He is the shepherd of the sheep. And he begins to call them by name. Individually. And they respond to him. And the Bible says he leads them out. Leads them out of what? Leads them out of the fold. You see, because just because they're in the fold, don't make them a part of the flock. Are y'all here tonight? Just because they're in the location, don't make them the sheep. Just because they're the, in the, the fold, don't make them the flock. That's what you have to see. So he says, I'm going in here and I'm uh, coming to Israel the way it was prophesied. Oh, Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm coming in here. And when I walk in, I'm going to be introduced by the porter. And when I do, I'm going to lead my sheep after I call them by name. I'm going to lead them out. Of the flock, of the fold. What is he talking about? He's going to lead them out of religion. 
Because in that day and in that hour, Judaism is a dead religion. There it is, I'm telling you, it's hypocrisy that has filled Judaism there at that time. So he's got to lead them out of religion. And so what he does is he goes into Israel and the Bible says in that fold, that location, he begins to call this one and call that one. And they are responsible to separate themselves from a dead, dry religion and follow Jesus Give the Lord praise. So he leads. He's leading them out. From among uh, false shepherds. He's going to lead them out. From among uh, kings and priests. And so called prophets. That are not of God. He's going to take them out from under. The authority of false shepherds. And he's going to say come and follow me. Because I'm the true shepherd. Give God praise in the house. He's going to get them out from underneath the thieves and the robbers. He's going to call them to himself and tell them, come on out from among them and be ye separate. Oh, give God praise in the house. And follow me outside of the camp. Follow me outside of the gate. When he says, come outside the gate and bear his reproach, he's telling you to leave the religion that was dead there and go out there and bear his reproach. Follow him outside of the gate so you can be saved. Give the Lord praise in the house. And so, this is the picture here that is given. The Bible says, I read it to you, to him the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice. Are y'all here tonight? And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Look at the prophecy of Isaiah 40. This is a prophecy concerning the coming shepherd. Oh God, I love you tonight. Oh, praise God. The Lord is in this house. And this prophecy, you will notice, there is a voice that is talked about in Isaiah chapter 40. This voice, look at the voice in connection with the shepherd. He says, okay, watch this. Are y'all with me tonight? Look at Isaiah 40. I know I'm talking fast, but I've got to move, all right? He says to Isaiah, God does. He says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. What is the problem in this time frame? The problem is that Jerusalem has sinned against God. And as a result of their sin, they're going to go into captivity. And so God, through Isaiah, gives the prophecy. He says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith who? God. Speak ye comfortably to who? Jerusalem. That's the capital city of Israel. All right, you got the background here. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Tell her uh, she's gone into captivity, and the reason why she's gone into captivity is because of her sins. She has received double for all of her sins. Tell her, though, that her captivity and her despair is about over. 
Tell her that her warfare is accomplished. Tell her her dark time is about to turn to light. Tell her that her captivity is going to be turned into freedom. Tell her, give God praise in the house tonight. Tell her, whoa, glory to God. God is showing you here that he does not overlook sin. He does not overlook sin. He lets you know by this passage that if you sin and refuse to repent, you'll receive double for your sin. And captivity is going to come. But he's letting them know that it's about over. Their time of suffering for their sin is about over. Give the Lord worship in the house. <clears throat> and the reason why God put them in captivity, why? Because of their sin. But what was the purpose of the captivity? The purpose of the captivity was to bring chastisement to them so that they would repent of their sin. So in the passage, God is not looking over the person's sin. He's saying, I need to chastise you because you won't repent. You won't get your heart right. But if I chastise you, then you'll turn to God and you'll repent. If I chastise you, and it's going to take 70 years of God's chastisement on them before they cry out to God for forgiveness. So God is not overlooking their sin without repentance. He's got to bring them to a place where they will repent. And so he uses the captivity to do that. Give the Lord worship in the house. Now, if God chastises me and he chastises you, you need to thank God. Because that means you went astray somewhere. You are a sheep, but you went astray somewhere. And God's got to chasten you so you'll get your heart right with God. So you'll start listening to his voice. So you'll start listening to the word of God. Because until you listen and until you obey his words. If you refuse to do that. That he's all he can do. All he can do is to chastise you. He won't overlook it. He won't ignore it. He's going to send them in a time of warfare and captivity. But how? He's saying to Isaiah through Isaiah, let them know it's a time of comfort. Let them know it is the time when their warfare is accomplished. Let them know better days are coming. Give the Lord praise in the house. Let them know that they're fixing to return. Let them know the remnant, the remnant, those that belong to God, the remnant. The remnant are the sheep. Within Israel, the remnant are the sheep within Jerusalem. Let the remnant know that they're fixing to go back home. Let the remnant know they're fixing to be restored and they're going to return. I say praise the Lord God. <coughs> now, are y'all getting this? Now, 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 I understand some of you are just, it's, it's not going to be a big deal to you what I'm saying. 
But if you can grasp what I'm telling you, what he's letting you know in Isaiah chapter 40 is that once Israel gets out of their captivity and the remnant does, they're going to wait for a coming shepherd. And as they wait for that coming shepherd, he's the one that's saying, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. He is the voice. So, so watch this, watch. So he says in verse 3, they, verse 2, they have received double for all their sins. It's the time of their return. So verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. There's the porter. There's the gatekeeper of the fold. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Who is that, y'all? How do we know that? Matthew chapter 3 and verse 3 tells you that. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of who? Prepare ye the way of I am. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of I am. Prepare ye the way of the eternal God. Prepare the way. Be the one who introduces the Lord. All capitalized. There's only one. I said there's only one. So this voice of him that crieth in the wilderness is preparing the way of who? The Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our who? God. Whoa! He's letting them know the Lord God is coming into time. He's letting them know the Lord God. He's letting them How is he going to come? How is he going to come in the wilderness? How is he going to come? He's going to come in a flesh. We're going to see that, right? So the prophecy, prophecy about this shepherd king. He is the Lord God that is going to come. The Bible says the voice is to declare it. Verse 4, every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. How? God incarnation. God in flesh. God is going to manifest Himself in flesh. That's glory. Glory is the manifestation of God. So He's letting them know the glory is going to be revealed. There's going to be a manifestation of this Lord God. So comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Give the Lord praise. He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. This prophecy is given 700 years before Jesus comes into the world. So now we know who he is that will come. And verse 5 again, the glory of the Lord, all capitalized here, shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken yet. So the Lord God is the one that's speaking the prophecy. And it's the Lord God that's going to come in fulfillment of the prophecy. And there's a voice that is going to introduce him when he comes. Now, notice the voice. All right, you with me? Verse 7, what does the voice cry? The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You know, he, he's saying, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. And, and then he tells them, How, what do you want me to say? Are y'all here tonight? He says, tell them the grass is going to wither. Tell them the flower is going to fade. Tell them the Spirit of God is going to blow on it. 
And when God blows on it, the grass is going to wither and the flower is going to fade. That doesn't sound like good news. It doesn't sound like comfort. And then he says, look at this. Watch, are you with me today? He says, all flesh is grass. So he lets you know the grass he's talking about is not the grass in your yard. The grass he's talking about is humanity. He's letting you know humanity is going to wither. The flower is going to fade. Oh, praise God in the house today. What comfort is in that message that humanity is going to wither like dying grass? What comfort is in that that a flower is going to fade? What kind of comfort can you get in that kind of word? Here's the good thing that you need to know. It says when you become like the grass that withers or the flower that fades away, then you'll get a revelation. And the revelation is the word of our God shall stand forever. Did you catch that? The weakness and the frailty of humanity in comparison to the eternal God. That the word of the Lord endures forever. So what he's saying, put your confidence in the word of God because the word of God will endure forever. Humanity is frail. Humanity will wither. The flower will fade. But the word of God endures. So put your confidence and your trust in the word of God. Put your trust in the eternal God. Put your trust in the word of God. Give him praise in the house. Give him praise in the house. That's the comfort. The Word of God endures forever. That's the comfort. Knowing that God and His Word endures. And so now watch what He says in verse 9. O Zion, that bringest good tidings. Are y'all with me today? Get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. He's telling Judah, he said, lift your voice up and lift it up with strength. He said, don't you be timid. Don't you be embarrassed. And don't say it softly. He says, lift up your voice with strength. Get to the high mountain. Praise God. Oh, Jerusalem, that bring good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Verse 10. Behold the Lord God will come with strong hand. And his arms shall rule for him. Lord, look at this. Behold the Lord God will come. Say the Lord God will come. With strong hand and his arms shall rule for him. Behold his reward is with him. And his work be for him. Who is this Lord God that's going to come? Bringing salvation to his people. Who is it that's going to save his people? He shall, verse 11, 
feed his flock. Ooh, like a shepherd, he shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are young. That's who's coming. The Lord God is coming. And when he comes, he's coming as a shepherd. Are y'all with me right now? He's going to pick up the sheep and carry them in his arms. He's going to lead those that are with young, heavy, heavy with child, heavy with birthing. He's going to lead them because he knows they can miscarry. He's got to gently lead them. He's got to be careful with these heavy pregnant sheep. Because he knows they can miscarry if he moves them too fast. So he will gently lead them that are with young. Give God praise in the house. And he'll carry those that need to be carried. This shepherd that's going to come is the Lord God. He's the one that John the Baptist is preparing the way for. Are y'all here? And we know that that is Jesus. So Jesus is the Lord God. He is the eternal God. His word endures forever. He's the one that's bringing salvation. So here's the setting. Israel has gone into captivity because of their sin. God says the time of your warfare is accomplished. It's time for you, for the remnant, the sheep to return back to their land and get ready for the coming of the shepherd king who is God, who is the Lord. So here they are when Jesus shows up and the porter there, John the Baptist, is telling them, introducing Jesus to the foe, telling them who he is. Give God praise in the house. <clears throat> and he's coming and he's speaking his voice and the sheep recognize this is the shepherd that was prophesied that came not as a thief and not as a robber but according to the prophetic word of God. He came just as he said he would and fulfillment of prophecy. He is the concerned voice in that chapter. Give the Lord worship in the house. Now you're going to have to get with me. I'm going to walk off and I'm going to leave you. If you don't get with me in your mind and in your spirit, I'm going to be done with this and you're going to wonder what just hits you. How many of you are with me tonight in the spirit? You're hearing the word of God. And watch. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. It's all right now. It's time for you to begin to lift up your voice with strength and declare, behold, the Lord God. That's who Jesus is. He is the shepherd who is come. Now watch. Go to John chapter 10. Verse 3 says, when he comes to that fold of Israel, he's calling his sheep by name. Okay. They hear his voice. There we go. And they follow him and he leads them out of a dead religion. He's oh, out here tonight. He's leading them out of the fold of Judaism. At that time, it's dead. They've already called him a devil. I'm not talking about all of Israel. I'm talking about the religious leaders. I'm talking about the so-called shepherds of Israel. 
have already called him a devil, have already tried to kill him, have already, are y'all with me, tried to stone him to death, said he's demented, that he had a demon spirit, that he was insane. And these are so-called shepherds of Israel. So he's got to lead them away and out of those false shepherds. Now, watch what he says. Are y'all hearing me now? <clears throat> they don't have a clue that he is indicting them. They don't have a clue that what he's saying is that he's the true shepherd and they're all false. They don't have a clue because he's speaking to this and it's a parable and they don't get it. They don't get it. Give the Lord some praise. Now, <clears throat> give the Lord worship in the house. He is the prophesied shepherd king of Israel <clears throat> who is come to deliver his people out from the tyranny of antichrist religious leaders. I tell you today, he's that same God that is calling many out of denominational systems all over this world right now. People that are sick and tired of religion. Are y'all with me? He's calling them out. And they're going to come out of those religions and they're going to get into his flock and into his fold. Now watch what happens here. So he leads them out in verse 3. So we have the voice here. And then he's calling them by name. And they're following his voice. And, and uh, they're hearing him. So they are his sheep. And the Bible says in verse 4. And when he putteth forth his own sheep. He goeth before them. And the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. You see what distinguishes the sheep? The sheep have the ability to hear the voice of the shepherd king. Anybody that doesn't listen to the voice of the shepherd king or re rejects the voice of the shepherd king like these bunch of devils that he's facing here are not his sheep. And he's talking to them. And they don't even get it. They don't even get it. Now remember, they're reading the prophecies in the Feast of Dedication. They're reading these prophecies concerning the shepherd king that's going to come. And here he comes declaring that he is that shepherd. Are y'all here right now? That he's the true shepherd. Now watch, he keeps going. Now he says, The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know that know not the voice of strangers. He, he said the true sheep are going to separate themselves from the stranger. The stranger is ultimately the Antichrist. Because the thief and the stranger here ultimately is the Antichrist. Are y'all here? But then he talks about thieves, plural. There are a bunch of Antichrists or false leaders, false shepherds that he's talking about in this passage. He said the true sheep are not going to follow them. They know they're the voice of a stranger. Now verse 6. He said this parable. Spake Jesus unto them. But they understood not what things were which he spake unto them. They didn't have a clue. Are y'all here tonight? <clears throat> the sheep understand. And they're following him. But these false shepherds and these false sheep are not understanding. Now verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Say praise the Lord. 
Give God praise in the house. Are y'all awake? Here he says he's the door of the sheep. He said, I am the door. And so just what the prophet Isaiah was talking about, the Lord God that would come and that shepherd king, that would, that shepherd that would come and save his people. Here he is. He's God come in the flesh and they don't know it or they refuse to see it, I should say. And the Bible tells us now, he says, I'm the door. The door to what? The true sheepfold. He's the one that's going to lay across the entrance with the stone walls all around. And nobody can come into that sheepfold except by Jesus. He is the only Lord God. He is the only shepherd. He's the only one that can save you. You can't get into the fold, into God's fold, without going through Jesus. He is the one that's the entrance. I will tell you this. He's not only the I am the door, Yahweh door, but He's the hinges that hold the door. He's everything, praise God. I said He's everything. But, but anyway... Now get your mind off the hinges now. He's laying across the sheepfold. He's the entrance. Jesus is the only way. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there was no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You can't be saved except by the name of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so he said, I'm the door of the sheep. The sheepfold. Now, watch this. What is interesting, he's going to say, I am the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. So he's not only the door, but he's the shepherd at the same time. Because the shepherd is the one who is the door in that culture. Give God praise. <clears throat> wow. He said, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Now, what I need to do is take you back in history just a little bit because back whenever Mac the Maccabees were trying to overthrow Antiochus Epiphany and that time of apostasy, 167 B.C. to 164 B.C. Antiochus Epiphanes is a type of the Antichrist that will come. When Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple of God, Offered a pig on the altar of God. Are y'all here tonight? Took urine and desecrated the Holy of Holies. And set up an image to himself in the most holy place. When he desecrated the temple like that. This apostate, this antichrist in typology back in history 167 B.C. When he did all of that. There were priests in Israel that sided with him, that backslid and sold out and became apostates. And so Jesus, with the Feast of Dedication as the background, I believe he's pointing back to the time when there were apostate priests who sided with Antiochus Epiphanes 
and cast their lot in with Syria. Give God praise in the house. They were false shepherds and false, or false priests that apostatized. Give the Lord worship. Back in history now. And he's looking at some right now in his day. The shepherd, the Lord God of Israel. He's standing right there in flesh. The one prophesied came according to the word of the Lord just as he was supposed to and appeared into Israel just as it was said. And John the Baptist introduced him. And he's the voice that's walking into an apostate system of religion and calling his sheep out of that. And he's calling them out from underneath false shepherds that were like the days of Antiochus Epiphanes. I tell you now, he's doing the same thing. Right now, right before he comes, right before he comes back, he's doing the same thing. He's going to call the people out of that harlot religion right there. Oh, are y'all here right now? And when the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple of Jerusalem and makes himself to be God and then the false prophet comes on the scene and sets up an image to the beast and he makes everybody worship the image of the beast and he makes them talk, take the mark of the beast 666. When that begins to take place, there's going to be a huge following away in the middle of the tribulation period. In the last three and a half years, a huge apostasy is going to come. That's one of the signs that will precede the coming of Jesus back to this earth. You better make sure who you're listening to. You better make sure that you're following the word of your shepherd. You better make sure whose voice you're listening to. Because if you don't, you could be like those apostate priests in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes when he desecrated the temple in that hour. And so Jesus is letting them know these are false shepherds. Are y'all here today? Give the Lord worship in the house. Woo. Verse 9. He said, all right. He said, I am the door by me. If any man enter and he shall be what? Saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Give the Lord worship in the house. Salvation. He's the saving shepherd. There was prophesied. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Who's he talking about? He's talking about false shepherds. He's talking about the Antichrist. Now you might say, well, that's the devil, Pastor. Really? Well, maybe it is in an ultimate sense. But who he's talking about is false shepherds that are in flesh. He's talking about false priests. He's talking about an Antichrist that will come. He's talking about any religious leader that is not of him. Any religious leader that is not of him. And ultimately the Antichrist. So, when that thief cometh, are y'all with me? He's going to steal, he's going to kill, and he is going to destroy. But he said, I am come, here he is, I am come, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Y'all with me? The thief comes before to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know what he just said? He said when he comes, he's going to give his sheep super duper abundant life. Watch what you need to hear it. Listen, he came to give them life and then he doubles it. 
life more abundant. So you can put it like this. When the shepherd king comes, who is God, he's going to bring salvation. And when he brings salvation, he's going to give them life and life more abundant. He's going to give his sheep super, let me just put it to you this way in my own way. Super duper, super duper, abundant, 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 abundant life. It's not just abundant life. It is abundant, 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 abundant. It's super duper life. Thank God when he came and he saved my soul from hell. He gave me not just life, not just a good life down here, but he gave me eternal life. He came to give me life and that more abundantly. Give the Lord praise. Are you glad you followed him when he called you by name? When he walked by you one day and he said, Jared Cannon. And Jared Cannon said, I will, Lord. Uh, Jesus, hallelujah. We preached on eternal things Sunday night. And the Lord opened the altar. Hallelujah. And Jared Cannon heard the voice of the Lord. And Jared Cannon said, I will, Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And the Lord, the shepherd king of Israel, the savior of the world, came walking by. And of course, she's not here for her presentation. But he walked by and said, Jasmine, Jasmine's two years of age. Jasmine looks up to mom and dad and says, can I go to the altar? And they say, go. She comes up here and she wants to repent and she wants to get right with God. Two years of age. She sees all the baptisms going on. And I'm up here and I'm signing the baptismal certificates. And two-year-old Jasmine hears the voice of the Lord. And as he walks by her, and she follows the Lord to this platform. She pulls on my, or taps me on my leg and says, I want to be baptized. Two years of age. Uh, I look at the parents. I say, well, I said, we probably need to wait till she gets the Holy Ghost. They said, she's already got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I said, how long has she been speaking in tongues? Does she speak in tongues regularly? She said, oh, yeah, they've she, she been speaking in tongues for months. Oh, so she's got the Holy Ghost, and it's not just, you know, her. It's something she's been doing for months, right? I want, so I've got myself in a place here. I told him if uh, she gets the Holy Ghost, I'll baptize her. Well, she's got the Holy Ghost. So now, are y'all here? We have a little conversation. And a two-year-old by the name of Jasmine heard the voice of the shepherd and said, I will! <coughs> Told her how to get baptized. Told her how to hold her hands. You know, and I guess she's thinking I was taking too long. So she threw her hand back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Baptize her in Jesus' name. And on one after another, heard the voice of the shepherd and said, I will. That <laughs> was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And when I got to in my car and I started driving home, I thought to myself, do I have Bible? 
to baptize a two-year-old and is it Bible that a two-year-old would have the Holy Ghost? Danielle's probably going to beat her. How old are you, Danielle? Yeah. You're not even a year old. You're probably going to be speaking in tongues. You're probably going to beat your sister. Hallelujah. <coughs> and I'm driving down the road and I'm wondering, I'm talking, thinking to myself, is there Bible? Did a, is there a record in the scripture of any uh, child that early getting the Holy Ghost? And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And he said, John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, I was looking for Bible and God gave me Bible. And for any of you out there who are looking for Bible, I just gave you Bible. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Woo! Glory to the Lamb. You see what he's saying right here. So he's the true shepherd. And aren't you glad that when he walked by you, and he called you by name, you said, yes, Lord. And you followed him. And you took his name in baptism. And entered in that salvation. He's the only way in. His name is the only name that will save you. The titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost won't save you. But the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost will save you. The name of Jesus will save you. I'm a father. I'm a son. And I've got a spirit. But I, are y'all here? Are y'all here with me? But my name is, you know my name. Jesus is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost. But His name, through faith in His name, hath made this man whole. It's the name of Jesus that brings salvation. And so we baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because we know who He is. Jesus means Yahweh salvation. Yahweh is become my salvation. The Lord God is become my salvation. Give the Lord praise in the house. <clears throat> Somebody shout praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jerry Cannon shout praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, hallelujah. <clears throat> The Bible said, I read to you, lift up your voice with strength. Get to the high mountains. <clears throat> Declare to Judah, behold your God. Oh, I don't, I don't have. See, now be honest with you tonight. I'd really like to cut loose right here, but I got to watch this thing right here. Hallelujah. I got to watch this thing. But I, I, you know, if I'm not careful, I'm just going to blow this thing right out of my body. I really want to cut loose. I really, really do. Say amen. So I'm just, I'm just going to let the anointing hit you and let you cut loose. Praise God. See, I'm not preaching to you about religion. I'm not offering you dead religion. I'm offering you the Lord God of Israel, the shepherd of Israel. And I know his name 
His name is Jesus. I know who he is. In verse 11, he goes on, he says, he said, not only come to give you life in that more abundantly, he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the, the good shepherd. One place he's called the chief shepherd. That's in First uh, Peter 5, I believe it is. First Peter 5, he's called the chief shepherd that's going to come back and set up his kingdom. Hebrews 13, 20. He's called in Hebrews 13, 20, the great shepherd that watches over and cares for the sheep. But here he is called the good shepherd. That means he is the model shepherd. He's the beautiful shepherd. He's the perfect model shepherd. Oh, give God praise in the house. And so Psalm 22, you see the good shepherd laying down his life. Psalm 23, he, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. At that point, he becomes the great shepherd caring for the sheep. And then Psalm 24, he's the chief shepherd coming back to set up the kingdom. So 22, 23, and 24, you have the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. The good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. You have the great shepherd caring for the sheep, and the chief shepherd coming back. He's coming back. Are y'all here with me right now? So he says, now he, he already said I'm the door. Now he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The one you've been reading about in those prophecies, he's here. That's what he's letting them know. He's here. The one that Jeremiah talked about in Jeremiah 23 is here. Look at Jer Jeremiah 23 and verse 1. <coughs> Praise the Lord God. Whew. 23 1. Woe be unto the pastors. The word pastor means shepherd. So he's saying, when you say pastor, all you're saying is shepherd. All right? Shepherd. He's saying, woe, woe to who? Woe be unto the pastors or the shepherds that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Who's he talking about here? He's talking about kings like Zedekiah. He's talking about false kings that did not lead Israel into righteousness and holiness. He's talking about false prophets, false leaders, false kings. These shepherds he's talking about that scattered the sheep. They were taken captive because the kings didn't lead them in righteousness. And so the kings were false shepherds. The religious leaders were false shepherds. Give the Lord worship in the house. And so in John 10, he's given a contrast. The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. Are y'all here right now? He said, I'm the good shepherd that lays down my life for the sheep. So the contrast in John 10. We're going to see it in Jeremiah 23. They're reading these prophecies as he's speaking that day. And he's telling them, I'm the fulfillment of it. Verse 2. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my 
that feed my people. They have scattered my flock and driven them away. They have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord. I will gather. Here, look at this. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries. They've been scattered. They've been taken captive because of the false shepherds that were over them. They led them into idolatry. And he said, but watch, watch, God is speaking. He said, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds, the place that they're kept. And they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith I am, or saith the Lord. You got that? Praise the Lord. How are they going to feed them? They're going to feed them the Word of God. Now, verse 5. Behold, the days come. The term, behold, the days come, are speaking of the days of the Messiah. Behold, the days come, the days of Messiah, when He comes, uh, the Lord in flesh. Those days when He walks the earth, behold, the days come. So the prophecy is about a future time. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up, raise unto David. I'll raise unto David a righteous Nazar, or Nazar, a righteous branch. And this branch, Nazar is going to be born in Nazareth. Or Bethlehem, Ephrathah, he'll be born there, but he's going to come out of Nazareth. Is there Bible for the one that's born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah to come out of Nazareth? Your scholars have searched and searched for the prophecy that said he would come out of Nazareth. Here it is. He is the branch. He is the Nazar. Who will come out of Nazareth? Having been born Bethlehem, Ephrathah. He's the branch. Oh, I love it. I love it. I wish I had time to talk about the branch. But anyway, he's the branch. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David. Say unto David. A righteous branch. Say a righteous branch. In contrast to the thieves and robbers. In contrast to the false shepherds. In contrast to those kings that led them into captivity. The true shepherd king's coming. And when he comes, he will not be unrighteous. He will be the righteous one. He will be the righteous branch. Say praise the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. He's going to bring righteousness into the earth. Judgment and justice into the earth. He's the true king. He's the true shepherd in contrast to the false shepherd. That's what he's telling them in John 10. But they just don't hear it. That he's the fulfillment of this. Now watch. In his day, in his days, Judah shall be what? Saved. Oh, glory to God. And Israel shall dwell safely. 
And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. In Jeremiah chapter 33, the Bible says, Jerusalem, she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Because he is in her and because he made her righteous, she will take on the name of the Lord. Give God praise in the house. <laughs> Amen. Clap, clap unto the Lord and shout unto the Lord. <laughs> God is good. Okay, watch. Let me keep reading. How many of y'all take his name? When you take the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the Lord our righteousness was in that name. You understand what I'm telling you? So now you're called by the name of the Lord, in case you don't know it. You're called by, when you got water baptized in Jesus' name, you took his name. And so now when the Lord looks at you, he says, the Lord our righteousness. She shall be called the Lord our righteousness. He's the true and rightful King Shepherd when it comes in contrast to those thieves and robbers, those false kings. Are y'all here right now? He's going to bring righteousness and justice and judgment in the earth when He comes. And so the Bible says in verse 7, Therefore behold the days come. Those are the days of Messiah, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say the Lord liveth which brought us, brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord liveth which brought brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country, Babylon, and from all countries whither I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. He's talking about that remnant. And so here they are. They were sitting and they were waiting for the Lord, our righteousness to come. Y'all believe that today? Give God worship in the house. <coughs> and what is the background? He said in verse 3, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whether I have driven them, and will bring them again to their foes, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. They shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. David's creator is going to come and take on human flesh and he will be the branch and he will be the Lord our righteousness he'll be the true king and he'll be the true shepherd and he's going to bring salvation and when you get out of Babylon you're going to be sitting and waiting for this one to come and Jesus is letting them know I'm here give God worship <laughs> go to Ezekiel 34 they would have been reading these prophecies Ezekiel 34, verse 15. If you take time to read the whole chapter 34, the same indictment against the false shepherds with the false kings are laid against the false shepherds of the land and the prophecy of the coming true shepherd king that would, would save Israel is also declared in Ezekiel 34. This prophecy would have been read during the Feast of Dedication. The Bible says in verse uh, 14, I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains, say I will. Who's talking? Yeah, God. 
I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their foal be. That's the location. There shall they lie in a good foal, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed. Are you following along? I will feed what? My flock. And I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will feed my flock and cause them to lay down, saith the Lord God. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Look at Psalm 80 verse 1. Somebody get it for me. Psalm 80 verse 1. Look at what it says. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. If you'll notice, it's capitalized. Who's the shepherd of Israel? Read. He's the one that dwells between the cherubim. He's the one that's enthroned between the cherubim. He's the God who sits upon the throne. That's the shepherd who leads Israel. Give ear. He's here on the earth. The one that's set on the throne in eternity is come. The word is made flesh. He's walking among men. The eternal God. That one set on the throne is there. The one between the cherubims. Read it again, Brother Jonathan, please. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. Thou that dwellest between the cherubims. Huh? Shine forth. Go to John 10. I'm closing. <coughs> I am, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Who is the shepherd? The Lord said, I will feed. God said, I will feed my flock. I am the good shepherd. The beautiful shepherd. The perfect model in contrast to these other false shepherds. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. It's a declaration. He's fixing to die. In about four months from this time, they will nail him to a cross. And by his crucifixion, he will save his flock. And because he's the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. They didn't murder him. Nobody could kill him if it wasn't in the will of God. Nobody took his life. He laid it down willingly. The shepherd laid down his life for you. you. He died for you. You're his sheep. You're that remnant that he died for. Hung up on a cross. He's letting him know. He said in verse 12, But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd whose own the sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. 
The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. He said, I am. I am. I am. One of the seven I am's of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John that is connected to a metaphor. There's more. But this is one of the seven that's connected to a metaphor. He is the door of the sheep in verse 7. He is the good shepherd in verse 14. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, I want you to see this. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. God says the sheep belong to Him. When He's speaking right here, He's speaking as the eternal God. He said, I know my sheep. Give the Lord praise. I know them. He said, I know them. He said, they're mine. They're mine. You know, these, these religious leaders, can you swallow that, what he's saying? Do you understand that the prophecies you're reading right now in Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 34 and Isaiah chapter 40 are being fulfilled right before your eyes? And the one we've been waiting for for so long is here now. But can you hear it? Can you swallow it? That you leaders out there who are rejecting Jesus are the false shepherds, the thieves, and the robbers. Wow. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. But in verse 30, he said, I and Father are one. So when the flesh makes reference to the Father, he's making reference to the eternal Spirit of God that's in him. And when the Father makes reference to the Son, he's making reference to the humanity of Jesus Christ. I and Father are one. One in absolute oneness. One in numerical oneness. Some say one in union like a husband and a wife. Jesus said in John 14, He'll say it, When you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So it's not just, Yes, I do believe there is a oneness in union. Yes, I believe that. In union with the will of the eternal spirit. Flesh in union with the will of the Spirit. But there is a oneness that is numerical. Are y'all here tonight? So Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and Father are one. He's not just the Son. He is the Father. Come in flesh. You know this. You know this. When you see me, do you see my wife? When you see my wife, do you see me? Well, we're one. We're one in union. Jesus said, I and Father are one. When you've seen me, chapter 14, you've seen the Father. He is not just one in union. He's one numerically in Father. He is the Father. 
come in humanity, God in sonship. God manifests in the flesh. And so, he says, I know my sheep. Amen. And am known of mine. And as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. The only thing, I, only conclusion I can come to about that verse is it has to do with the Gentiles. Because he's appearing to Israel, the fold, the place. The flock is the sheep, not the fold. He's leading the sheep out of the fold. He's talking about some other people that are not of this fold, not of Israel. They're going to be a part of his sheep. That's you and that's me. Give God praise in the house. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Other sheep I have which are not at this fold, which is it what them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. One fold and one shepherd. Not two shepherds, not three shepherds, one fold and one shepherd. Neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Acts 4.12 One shepherd, one fold. Are you glad that you're part of the body of Christ? That you're part of the flock. The flock of God Almighty by the death of Jesus Christ. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. So when he talks about his death, he always talks about his resurrection. When he talks about dying for the sins of the world, he never says he's going to die without also mentioning his resurrection. But the problem with even his disciples is they didn't hear that. They heard him say he would die, but they, they didn't hear, really, really hear that he said he was going to rise. Because it wasn't until after his resurrection they remembered what he said. Come on, give Lord praise in the house. <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? What was the response of these Jews, the leaders? We talk about the Jews. We're not talking about Israel as a whole, the people as a whole. We're talking about religious leaders. What is their response? It finally started dawning on me what he said. That he's the fulfillment of the prophecies they're reading. And he's contrasting himself with them. And he's uncovering the fact that they're thieves and they're robbers. They're hirelings. But he is the true shepherd who's come. The righteous king. Who will bring righteousness and judgment and justice into the earth. Who will lead his sheep into righteousness. 
If you read Jeremiah 23, the indictment against the false prophets comes from Jeremiah's voice as well. And the true prophets, true prophets will always lead the people of God into righteousness and into holiness. You want to know if there's a true prophet in the land? You have to listen to his voice. If he's not calling the sheep to righteousness and holiness, he is a liar, he is a hireling, he is a false shepherd. And God has indicted them. So now, what is the response of these false shepherds? There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews, for these saying the term Jews is the leadership of Israel, not Israel as a whole. The division is sharp. When Jesus came, some people preach Jesus like there was no conflict. He didn't, there was no conflict. There was no, uh, he didn't challenge anybody with what he said. You know, he just gentle Jesus walking around. Friend, when Jesus spoke, there was confrontation. He's calling these people to repent and to recognize who he is. Instead, the Bible says division. He said in the ninth chapter, for judgment am I come into the world. I'm going to separate mankind. His life and who he is, his person, his work, is going to separate mankind into the camp of the unbeliever and into the remnant of his soul. For judgment am I come. He's allowed the world is going to soften the wax and harden the clay. You're either going to get softer and more pliable and, and more be willing to follow the shepherd or you're going to get harder and harder and harder. But he is going to divide the world. Calvary divided the world. Put one thief on one side and another thief on another side. And one was saved, one was lost. With two male factors also with them. A total of four. He divided the world. When he came, and he's still dividing the world today. And he's calling his true sheep out of denominational systems that are not preaching the truth to the people of God and calling the people of God to walk with him in righteousness. He's dividing even some families, he has come to bring a division. Be surprised. Before you got to church, your whole family close. Because you were in the same camp. You got to church, you followed the true shepherd, you heard his voice, you separated, you came out from among them. And now they hardly have anything to do with you. He divides the world. His cross is an offense. The preaching of the cross offends people. It's an offense to the flesh. He divided the world. You preach the cross, some people are going to be saved, some people are going to be offended by that. Because the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. 
Paul said, I'm crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. I'm dead to that world and that world is dead to me, said Paul. I no longer, Paul said, I no longer live to that world. I'm not a part of that world anymore. I'm dead to that world and that world is dead to me. Paul said, I don't fit in. And he stood up and preached the cross of Jesus Christ. And it separated and divided the world. You're either in the world today or you're in this spot. You're either a part of the world and disobedient and rebellious or you're a part of His flock that hears His voice and obeys His word. That's the distinguishing mark of the sheep. And so, 19 says, There was a vision therefore again among the Jews with these saying, and many of them said, He hath the devil in his mouth. He hath the devil and is mad. He's demented. Anybody ever walks up and say, you're just, you're demented. They just told you that you're demon possessed and you're crazy. The religious leaders of Israel said this to the long-awaited shepherd king who was the Lord our righteousness. They said to him, he has a demon and is mad. Don't be surprised, flock, if when you follow Him, they say the same thing about you. When you really live for Him, you don't, you feel like you're part of the world. You're not going to have that. He said, they said, many of them said, yeah, the devil is mad. He's crazy. He's insane. Why hear ye Him? Why you listen to this man? Others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. So on the other side, you have those who are defending. Now let me tell you this, Jesus Christ does not need anybody to defend him. He doesn't need you to defend him. He doesn't need me to defend him. So if you think you're defending Jesus Christ, forget it. He doesn't need you to defend him. He's God. Okay? But... What they're saying here is we're siding with him. He polarized the world like a magnet turning this wooden. These are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Going back to that ninth chapter, three months earlier in the Feast of Tabernacles, when he stood up and he said, I'm the light of the world, he walked, he was excommunicated. God was excommunicated out of his own temple. He walked out of the temple and he found a blind man that was born blind, didn't even have eyes in his sockets. Took some dirt off the ground as the creator. The sixth sign of John, and he picked up the dirt and he spit on it, and he made clay out of it, and he smeared it, anointed the man's eyes, and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sin. Get in the true sin. And you know the miracle? He came back seeing. Never in recorded history was there ever a man born blind 
and it was healed by another man. And they're thinking back to the three months earlier in the Feast of Tabernacles. And they remember. Can the devil open the eyes of the blind? It's, I want you to know, it's grinding these religious leaders into the ground. Everything he said, everything he did, just kept piling on, piling on, piling on, just driving them into it. And they're getting madder, and they're getting madder, and they're getting madder. And ultimately, they're going hell to a tree. And some are believing. Truly believing. Not as John 2 says, many believed on Him when they saw the miracles that He did. But Jesus did not commit Himself because He knew what was in man. Not those people who believe on Him surfacely or superficially. But He said, there's going to be some that really believe in Me, not just for the signs that they see, but because of the Word that I say to them. There will be some that will follow me for the five loaves and the two fishes that I divide and feed the world with. Are you here tonight? But he started laying down his commandments on them and the Bible said they left him. So some follow him because of what he does for them. Some follow him even when he lays the commands on them. How about you? Are you a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Comfort you, comfort you, my people. Tell them all flesh is as grass. And tell them the grass withers and the fire-flavored flower faded away. But the word of our God endures forever. You tell them to put their confidence in the Lord God and in His word. And something that will not pass away. Isaiah 40. Amen. I ask you a question. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Who opened the eyes of the blind? God, come in flesh. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And I closed tonight with that. He's not done with them. He's not done with them. He'll keep talking about the shepherd and he'll look at them in the eyeball and he'll tell them, you are not my sheep. You don't even know God. You claim to be the children of Abraham. You claim to be the children of God. You don't even know God. You are not my sheep. You're not part of the fold, the flock of God Almighty. He's going to look them in the eye. The ones that claim to be, he's going to tell them, they're not. Tensions going to rise. Isn't that sad? I will tell you this. The saddest condition that you could be in today is to be religious. To be religious. It was so sad that the King of Glory, the Shepherd King came, the Savior of the world. The shepherds sat right there. And because they were so religious... They refuse to follow him. Don't ever get religious, whatever you do. It wasn't long ago 
when from this pulpit there was a shout to some of you. They said, whatever you do, do not become religious. Because that's the saddest condition you can ever get. Because you start walking around in your own self-righteousness and thinking, everything's okay with me. Are you hearing His voice tonight? Are you obeying His word tonight? That is the distinguishing mark of the sheep. God bless your hearts if you're a part of that remnant. If you're not a part of that remnant, this word is going to keep going forth into this house and this word is going to polarize the camps. And you're either going to get in the church or you're just going to come to church. They went to church, the Feast of Dedication, they went to church, the Feast of Tabernacles, and he had to look in the eye and say, you're not even my sheep. I believe tonight that I'm not talking to people that are not his sheep. I believe tonight I'm talking to a people. Many of you who are the sheep of God Almighty. I believe that with all my heart. If you weren't, I wouldn't be here. I promise you that. I believe that you are the remnants, part of the remnant of God. Not all of it, but part of the remnant of God. And the way you know is do you hear His voice? Do you respond to His word when it comes to you? Or are you comfortable where you are? I've been in this thing for 30 years. I was baptized in Jesus' name when I was 18, filled with the Holy Ghost shortly thereafter. And I've been in this thing for 30 years. Been pastoring this church going on 17. And the last thing I will ever become is religious. I've got to keep the fire burning. And it, Well, you sound self-righteous. No, I'm just making a declaration for you. I'm making a declaration before the enemy. And I'm testifying to God. I am not going to become religious. I have to keep the fire burning. I have to keep close to God. I have to be able to hear His voice. I have to know His Word. I have to move when He speaks. If I'm not moving, if I'm not following, if I'm not obeying His Word, then I can question whether or not I'm a sheep. Are you a sheep tonight? If you are, lift your hand. If you hear His voice and you obey His Word, praise God. Did you hear his voice tonight? Did you hear his word tonight for you? He laid down his life for you. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? If you're thankful tonight for the salvation of your soul, that he, he plucked you out of hell, Lift your hands and just tell him, I love you, Lord. Thank you. All you can do is love him back. He, he loves you. He loves you. All you can do is love him back. Just love him back. All you can do is just say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Praise God. Do you know the Word of God when it's preached to you? How does it come to you? How do you hear it? 
or do you hear it? The good news tonight is you can become a part of that remnant if you're not. You can be a part of his sheep if you wish, if you choose. To be born again of the water and the spirit, at that point, then you'll be able to hear the voice of God. You will be alive unto the Lord. And God then can lead you by his spirit. And when the word is preached to you, you will obey it. Because he will enable you. He will enable you to do it. You can't do it on your own. He will enable you to do it. If God has enabled you to tremble at his word, would you give him praise? God has enabled you to hear his voice. Would you give him praise? If God has enabled you to, to believe his word and to hear his word and to obey his word, give him praise that he has given you the ability the ability. Thank you, Jesus, tonight for this church, for this fold. I believe, God, within this fold that there is the flock of the shepherd. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen to the word of the Lord God tonight. Thank you, Jesus.